you know, I'm rebranding and this, and I, I really need to evaluate a couple things. And they came in and one of the things that they really opened my eyes to was how much I hate day-to-day operations. It's not, <laughs> it's, it's not what I do, but I've always felt compelled that, Hey, I have to do this because I'm a small business and you do, you do have to do it. But they were able to really see that that's what Mike, my GM, that's, that's his job. He's detail oriented. Let him run all that. You work on this. So I was able to put together a, a strategy and a plan of empowering Mike and letting everybody know that. And then really being okay for me to step outside of that and now just fast track this rebranding and really be the face of the company, be out there, you know, having fun, making sure that everybody that comes in here is having fun, you know, go see customers, but do something that I really love and then be able to grow the company. So now we're back on a growth track and it's so much more fun. Thank you for listening. This is Brett Trainer, your host for Hardwired for Growth, a podcast where we strive to help entrepreneurs and business owners not only grow their businesses, but scale them. We do this by having conversations with industry experts and the founders who have successfully scaled their own businesses. On this episode, we welcome Matt Morris to the program. Matt is the founder and CEO of Precision Today. They're a Chicago-based plumbing and services company that started over 20 years ago. Matt and I talk about his growth journey and how he's able to scale his business. He what worked and what didn't work during his growth journey. Even though this is more of a traditional Main Street type of business, Matt really is a modern visionary and more importantly, an executioner in how to grow a company in this digital era. His business enjoys a whopping 4.9 out of 5.0 Google review ratings, and that's with over 1,380 reviews. Most of his competition is sitting around you know 150 to 200 total reviews. So the key takeaways for me on this episode were you know top priorities creating an employee-centric culture and investing heavily in this area. And that's what Matt did. Always have a plan. It may change, but always have a plan that you're driving towards. Why buying out his co-founder was the right strategic move. Expansion for expansion's sake is not always the right option. Hiring folks that aligned values to the company and vision was critical in his early days. And transitioning from the day-to-day operation allowed the company to thrive. It wasn't easy, but once he did it, you know, the company took off. Before I take you to the intro, if you enjoy this podcast, please make sure you like, subscribe, and share the podcast on iTunes and other podcast platforms so we can help other entrepreneurs grow their businesses. Also, please make sure to check out the new free resources page on brettrainer.com forward slash resources for downloads, promos, and to sign up for our monthly newsletter. Now, on to the intro. Welcome back. You're listening to Hardwired for Growth, a podcast dedicated to helping entrepreneurs and business owners who are looking for sustainable and scalable growth strategies, led by your host, Brett Trainer. Hey, Matt, welcome to the show. Hi, Brett. Great to be on here. It's good to finally have you on. You know, we, I joke that we've got international flavor. So today we're bringing it back to, you know, suburban Chicago, DuPage County, and excited to have you on to talk about your business. I think, you know, I don't want to call it, it's not a mom and pop because you're well beyond mom and pop, but, you know, talk about traditional Americana type businesses and, and the success you have it. So I'm super excited to have you on. Thanks, Brett. All right. So to get started, why don't you you tell us a little bit about your business today, how big you are, who you're working with. And uh, then I want to take you back down memory lane and and talk about kind of the, your origin and your, your growth story. 
Okay. Well, the company is uh, Precision Today, Plumbing and Drain Cleaning. And we are, we have about 30 employees right now, maybe 32, do about a little over $5 million in revenue, service mostly residential customers, you know, homeowners doing um, repair work, water heaters, toilets, drain cleaning, sewer repair. So pretty much your traditional plumbing contractor, something you'd think of when you, when you have a, a problem at home, we'd be the ones that you think of hopefully. Right. You have a good relationship with them, but you hope you don't see them that often, right? <laughs> exactly. That's that's exactly what the customers say. Uh, that's good. And that's great. And, you know, congrats on, on where you've taken the company to, because I've actually known you since you, you kind of got started in this business. And I think your journey has been fascinating. You, you just mentioned, you know, the residential customers, but if I'm not mistaken, and we'll get back into it, I guess, you started more with commercial and new business, right, before pivoting into residential, didn't you? That's exactly right. We, when we started the business, I had a partner started the business kind of on necessity back in 1992, and we did commercial buildings, uh, a lot of car dealerships, uh, new construction, and then pretty much at that point we were about 80 percent new construction, 20 percent service and repair. We just did that on the side. Okay, and I think that's actually a great pivot point or a segue to kind of talk about, you know, 92 is the beginning, you know, give us a sense of, you know, why you wanted to, to start your own business and, you know, why plumbing and how did it get to the point from, I believe you, you started as an apprentice, if I'm not mistaken. And then, you know, a number of years later, you own your own business. So kind of talk us through what led you down that path. Yeah, I just fell into it. I mean, right out of high school, I needed some money for college. And a buddy of mine hooked me up with a local plumbing contractor. I just thought I would be in there digging holes, doing uh, doing the labor work. Lo and behold, I, I caught on to it. I really enjoyed it and got into an apprenticeship program and stayed stayed in that while I went to school and then went away to college where I met you. So I was already in, in the plumbing trade, but it was just to, uh, to earn some money primarily. Then once I got out of uh, or left school, finished my apprenticeship, uh, once, once I finished that or right when I was finishing it is when my boss went out of business. He closed up the doors, which was a shock to me. And so if that's why I ended up starting my own business, it was um, either go work for somebody or, you know, go back to school or go find another, another job. But I really wanted to, you know, I, I had all my time in and I was getting ready to get my plumbing license. So I really wanted to pursue that. And that's when myself and uh, another plumber I worked with decided to, you know, just start our own business. Yeah. Fascinating. They do say timing is everything. So, all right. So that happens. He's going out of business. You're like, Hey, let's he had the conversation over a beer or a coffee and said, Hey, do you want to start your own business? At that point, was it just to, you know, help you pay the bills as you try to figure out what's next or did you already have a vision for, for what you wanted? Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't, it wasn't just to pay the bills. It was a conscious decision of I'm either going to, you know, this is what I want to do. I mean, and, you know, a, a neighbor, a good family friend neighbor reminded me that, you know, you, you talked about wanting to have your own business someday. And so what we did is we put a plan together to, instead of just starting a business, we went out and we hustled for like three weeks, just hustled up work. And, it, and to this day, I tell people, that's probably the hardest I've ever worked. Uh, I mean, it was um, all day long, sun up to sundown, 
just going out and talking to people, finding builders, finding people, anybody that listened to us, um, going to job sites. And we were able to secure some contracts. And um, so, you know, the three, four weeks later, you know, we bought a used van and we were working, you know, oh, incorporating awesome. ourselves. So the plan really didn't come into place until we, at that point, we were just kind of the two of us running. But as we got into it and started, this thing started to become reality. That's where I started putting a plan together on, hey, what it's going to look like. What is the, what's the company going to look like? What's the vision of the company? What do we really want to do with this? And it's, that was fun. But what I found out with that was having a partner, you know, I wanted one thing. I wanted growth. He wanted stability. And so we were going in two different directions. As I was driving it, he was very uncomfortable with adding more people, adding more vehicles, you know, and so it naturally just came to a point where I saw I wanted to go one way, he wanted to go another way. Let me, I just, uh, so I just bought him out. Got it. Yeah. And maybe we can take just a, a step back. So I think, you know, one of the things I've learned over the last, I guess, 30 episodes now that, you know, the co founders can be you know, a huge asset or sometimes it can be, you know, a hindrance and it, and it may pivot over time as, as you said, you guys had two different um, objectives for the business. So let's just go back a little bit. When you, you had started the business, you guys were hustling, you were getting the customers. Did you have a company name at that point or were you just really just, Hey, we can do this for you, you know, better, cheaper than some of the name plumbers in the area. How did, how were no, those, I, how did you get those first customers? Well, it's a funny thing about the name. We went with Precision Plumbing, and I never liked the name. But the reason we did it was because my partner had gone into business for himself a couple of years prior for about a year, and he called himself Precision Plumbing. And then he realized this isn't what he wanted to do. He did it by himself, didn't want to do it. So he paid up all his bills, closed up shop. And uh, you know, when we were thinking of a name, he said, well, I've got some letterhead and business cards. It'd be cheaper to just reincorporate this name. I said, all right, let's do it. So it was simply a strategy of saving money. Um, but, uh, you know, so that's what we did. So yeah, we had, we had the name, we had the cards and that's what we were giving people. And, And no, we were not looking to go out and undercut anybody. We were actually doing the opposite. We wanted to really show, you know, sell ourselves and um, sell the quality of the work that we did and differentiate ourselves from all the other contractors. Um, Got it. You know, give, uh, you know, in new construction, the one thing that stood out was a longer warranty. And so instead of a one-year warranty, we would give a two or three-year warranty on everything. Separate with uh, or differentiate with, with service and experience. And you guys were, that's in the early 90s. So you're well ahead of your time. And I know service has always been a differentiator, but nobody didn't seem to take that as serious as being a true differentiator versus, you know, you know, a nice to have versus a need to have. Right. Exactly. Interesting. Okay. So then you, what I wanted to, cause a lot of our audience, you know, you thinking about starting a business or in the process of growing their business, get kind of stuck at that. All right. Our business is starting to go. We need to bring on some additional resources. You know, how did, what was your thought process at the time? Or was it just, Hey, we need more people. Let's hire them. Or was there, did you have a, a more detailed plan of how you wanted to, to scale with folks? No, early on, it was more of, we need people. Let's go find them. And I remember back then, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't as it is now. I mean, there was people available, but still the same problem, right? You got to find the right people. So, you know, I did the hiring and I just went out and found 
you know, people that were going to be like-minded that seemed to fit the mold or, or fit the, um, a personality that I could gel with that I knew was going to take care of the customers. And then, you know, that was our, our first employee. And then the second and third, our process was basically getting guys that we knew had the skills, but then guys that were going to comply with the way that I wanted things done. There was a certain way that I wanted the jobs done. And so I would go out and I would show my top people, they would do it. And when a new person would come aboard, you know, I would go out the site and, uh, generally, you know, show them how we wanted things done. And it was pretty effective because we had a, we had a great reputation to the point where inspectors, they knew that we roughed the house. They wouldn't even go in and inspect it. Oh, fantastic. That's helpful, right? <laughs> you know, the yeah. quality of your work's getting around when you get to, to that point. But it holds you to a higher standard because I had to, I had, that had to, go down to every single person that worked for me, knowing that, Hey, if you cut a corner one time, that inspector decides to come in and sees it, then it's all done. Then, you know what, now we've got to um, fight to rebuild that reputation. So you, you've got to constantly remind people of what your goals are, you know, what the objectives are is that we want to do it right. We want to, you know, do it at a high level for the, for the end user, for the uh, consumer, the contractor, the homeowner. Right. Five years to build it up and a day to tear it down. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately, that's the way it is. So maybe that's a good point to kind of talk about, you know, since the mid nineties, you had your vision of, you know, we're going to do it the right way. We're going to service, we're going to provide the warranty. You know, at this point, was it a, did you sit down and say, here's the plan, what I want for this business? Or was this still going from gut? And at what point was the kind of the sit down with your, your partner to say, Hey, you know, maybe we should, kind of go look at different directions. Yeah, that was, uh, that was 1999. So seven years later when I, you know, you could see that he, he, he just, it really just became a natural thing where he was just not comfortable with the growth. And I think at that point we probably had 20 employees, 18, 20 employees, and he was just not comfortable. So I just finally just went to him and said, Hey, let me buy you out. And then I just crafted a plan to make it happen. And, and, you know, within, you know, six to nine months, I made it happen. Okay. So now you're flying solo. At what point did you start to put, you know, some of the infrastructure in place and process? Cause you know, payroll's a pain in the ass and now you've got scheduling yeah. and you've got to have people answering the phones. So when, when did that, that journey start for you? Well, that's a, that's a great question. Cause that's when, 99. So that was when, as soon as I bought him out, there was a, a contractor group specializing in service contractors for plumbing, heating, air conditioning, electrical contractors. And I had known of some of the companies that were in it. And it was a nationwide, nationwide organization that had uh, just started in 99. So I joined in, um, I'm sorry, they started in 92, same year okay. I did. I ended up joining in 99. And it's a best practices group. And that really helped me start to lock in the processes of um, how I was going to run the service department. Because I knew the writing on the wall was I'd always operated the new construction side with a high level of service. And so I figured, hey, let's, you know, I also know that there's a lot of money to be made in the service side. And I'm just more naturally drawn to that. So I wanted to, I wanted to really uh, build a solid foundation and grow from there. And that, that organization really helped me not reinvent the wheel, but to kind of uh, uh, get some of that structure down to make the growth a little easier. Avoid some of the mistakes that have been made in the past, right? Yeah, exactly. 
And is that, so 99, is that when you made the decision to move into, like you mentioned, the services business away from the new construction? Because you saw that's kind of where the the future of the company was going? No, I I actually ran them parallel, kind of put effort more into the the, uh, new construction still. That was about 2003 was when was when I made the decision to really start to move away from the new construction. What happened there was after 9-11, I noticed a shift in our business. Everybody started uh, around here in suburban Chicago, started taking their money out of the stock market and putting it into real estate out in the suburbs, uh, seeing what developers were getting for buying homes and tearing them down and building new ones. Everybody wanted a piece of that. And because we were specialized in custom homes and we dealt with builders that, you know, maybe did two to 10 homes a year. So I had, you know, 15 really solid builders. Well, then I had another 15 or so that weren't so solid that were these, um, what I noticed was these people coming in that had no background in construction and they were unprofessional. They were rude to my people. They weren't ready for us. They didn't know what they were doing. The quality of product wasn't as good. So I decided then that if these guys are going to determine if I'm profitable or not, or the culture of my business, I'm going to shift my direction. I'm going to put my focus into the service business and have full control over who I work for. So that's when I started. It was 2003. I gave myself two years to get fully out of the new construction business. And so starting January 1 of 2005, we were 100% 100 service. I had given off any contracts we had, I had, I had turned over to other plumbers that I was friends with and um, we just kind of burned the boat. I mean, we had no choice but to be great at service at that point. Right. Which makes so much sense. And I actually wrote something not too long ago about, you know, focusing on the niche, right. That if you're, I don't want to say you weren't chasing the dollars because you obviously built the business on new construction, but the fact is the future is going to be in service it doesn't make sense to hang on for too long, right? You're putting investment and dollars into a business you're moving away from. So the quicker you can make that transition, the better off for the business. Um, Yeah. Yeah, definitely. But the service business, I mean, one thing I learned right away was, I mean, you know, you have to have a plan and that's where I developed, you know, I just sat down and really focused because right out of the gates in 2005, we, we went in the hole. We had a couple of bad months, but we stuck to it. I created a vision and gathered everyone together. So about the end of 2005, like December, I gathered everybody together and went over my, my vision of where we were going and how we were doing it. And from there, we took off. I mean, we 2006, we just uh, did fantastic. That was like the, the kind of the, the crossover. We had officially jettisoned the, the new construction and gotten through the growing pains and then um, really started to be um, profitable. And the culture was fantastic. No, that, that's great. And, you know, I want to kind of emphasize your point there that, you know, you, you got a plan, right? I think, you know, a lot of the entrepreneurs, I still think, don't put enough time in the early stages of their business, you know, kind of figuring out what is that plan for the business? Is this, you know, a lifestyle business? Do I want to build a real company? In the early days, you're just trying to figure out where you want to take this. But as you start to progress and grow and scale, you know, a lot of the folks just kind of say, hey, we'll wing it as we go. And I think it's so important, you know, what you did was to build a plan that said, hey, here's what's next for us. Here's how we're going to do it. Get the buy-in from everybody. Then at least everybody's running in the same direction, fighting the same fight, 
and pushing towards the, you know, the same goals. Yeah. And I think one of the biggest things I've learned over the years was even as good as 2006 and seven were, even up till 2008, 2009, the piece that I didn't focus on was the company culture. I just figured, hey, if we've got our everything going well and everybody knows what we're doing, the culture will be good. And I tried to mask it with, you know, getting a new building. It was all, you know, beautiful and lots of space and people don't care about that. I mean, you really got to focus your time and energy on the people, on making sure that you're doing the things that recruit the best people, you get the like-minded people and that you listen to, listen to your people and, and, and you make changes around them. So, you know, I learned a lesson there because we got away from that and just focused on running the business by the numbers. And that kind of hurt us. And uh, then if you don't have, you know, your plan, if you're not executing a plan or a budget or your vision, all that starts to kind of unravel a little bit and it sets you back. But we've refocused on that here in the last three years, really buckled down. And um, it makes a huge difference when you put that all together. Yeah, that's that's such a again another valuable point. Is did you what were some of the big changes you made after you came to the realization that culture isn't where you wanted it to be? Was it wholesale or was it just little or smaller things that all added up? I think it's a lot of small things that add up. I, I went back and I looked at where we were in two thousand six, two thousand seven, how we just you know, we're we were killing it. We were doing great and culture was good be, because I did explain to everybody. I, re- I really did care about everybody. But then you start, you go through a phase where you start to layer management and you get detached from the people and you're not, you're making more decisions based on numbers than, than the people and it can get distorted. But we went through, we, we added on um, a department, a heating and air conditioning department back in 2011. Okay. You know, this will, this will help us grow too. And, it was um, a lot of people do it. I never embraced it. I never loved it. I did it out of, well, you know, it is a natural transition. And we had a plan, but it was, we did it for seven years and I absolutely hated every second of it. And so finally I decided in, uh, let's see here, 2017, I decided to get rid of it, that this is hurting us more than it's helping us. It just, it, our, the culture just wasn't, just was bland. And it was just funny. I talked to, I talked to a lady at my daughter's volleyball practice about she was working doing um, mortgages for, I think it was one of the big insurance companies, Allstate, or, or I don't remember who it was. And they decided, uh, and my question was, I didn't know they did mortgages. She said, exactly. They decided this yeah. isn't for them, that they're getting rid of it. And right then and there, when she told me that, I said, I'm getting rid of my department because it was personally, it was dragging me down. I was not happy with the business, contemplated selling it. But instead, I talked to a couple of good friends in the area who only do HVAC and we were able to structure a deal where they took care of my customers. And then I could focus solely on plumbing and the, so the things that we do best. And I'll tell you, ever since we did that, it's been two years now. I haven't been happier. It's been great. I've been able to focus all my time and my people's time on what we do best and rebuild our culture. And I don't think our culture has ever been better than it is now. And we're, we were doing seven and a half million dollars in revenue, but we weren't making much money. We've scaled back now. We're only doing 5 million, 
But with our budgets and our vision, I mean, we're going to surpass that, that, you know, we'll get, you know, we'd like to get double our size and get to 10 million. But my thing is, it's, it's all, all boils down to two things that I talk about is culture and profitability. Those are the really the only two things that I care about, because if our culture is fantastic, the profitability will follow. Yeah, hundred percent agree. And I think there's, there's so much great learnings in there. I mean, even just listening, you talk about the heating business. If you never were excited about it, there's no way, you know, the employees were going to get excited about it. Some of them might because they enjoy doing that type of work. But if you were never say, man, this is the passion, this is where we're going. You know, it probably wasn't too inspiring to the, to the rest of the folks. So the fact that you actually made the decision to cut back on revenue to focus on, on profit is that's really hard for a lot of people to do. And I think a lot of them, you know, run themselves out of business because they don't take that hard look of, of where the business is. You, you know, you know what, Brett, uh, so many people looked at me like I had three heads. Like I, this was, I was making like this catastrophic mistake, getting rid of it. They couldn't believe it. And I was just, I had been afforded to, I'm like, this is what I'm doing because I knew, you know, other people will, you know, they can stay in it, do it and, 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 and squander their business off. I saw what it was doing to me personally. I was right. Not, and you know, I'm not in business to be unhappy. And so yeah, you can go back to corporate America for that. <laughs> yeah. It, it's the smartest thing I ever did. I mean, as hard as it was, and you know, you gotta be very careful with it uh, because my biggest fear was losing the trust of my customers. So what I did was I set up a, um, with uh, uh, a marketing firm that I work with, we set up an intercept survey six months in where he went in and, and interviewed all my clients that we turned over to this other company. So I wanted to make sure that they were doing a good job with my customers and that we didn't, we didn't mix the message up and that we weren't confusing our customers or we weren't distorting our brand. And that was really helpful. We were able to see that we did an excellent job of turning it over. And the only negative parts that we saw was, were the growing pains that the other company was having not being able to keep up with the growth with uh, the volume that we gave them. The demand. Yeah. Yeah. And, no, and they were able to rectify that. So it was pretty successful, but the biggest thing is, I mean, like I said, it's the culture. I mean, I'm, I am now, I learned a lot from that and I'm really pay attention to everybody here from, I don't care what your position is. If, if you're a, a driver, if you're a plumber, if you're in the office, everybody is important, has value and everybody works as a team. Yeah, I, you know that that is so true and so important. It's an afterthought in in quite a few companies. And you know the other thing that you've kind of uh, not hinted at, you know, so the, the two things I get at the core of your company are the employees, the culture, and also the customer. Right? You, you, early on, you made the decision we're going to provide the best level of service, extra warranties. So maybe let's pivot back to the customer a little bit because you've got the unique perspective of when you were trying to acquire customers, it was, you know, it was pre-internet, right? When you started this business to, to where we are today. And I love for you to kind of just walk us through, you know, how that progression, or maybe it's an evolution of, you know, customer acquisition for you over time of kind of how you started getting those first customers. It's probably hustle, but then, you know, as you matured, you know, kind of what was that path like for you and, and what are you doing today? Yeah, that's, that's a great question. Marketing is a, I love marketing, but yeah, early on it was hustle. It was all about, I would go out any hour of the day or night, holiday, didn't matter. I was constantly getting called out on holidays. And I remember, you know, some of my best customers were ones I got because of that. And then as it evolved, 
back then, the biggest source of uh, advertising was Yellow Pages. We spent a ton of money in Yellow Pages to acquire new customers, but then we were also constantly taking care of our existing customers because, you know, I knew how much it costs to get a new customer, but it's that existing customer that's the real gold. I mean, they're the ones that are, they really know you, they're referring you, they know how you operate. They're not questioning your price. You've you've got a, a trust built up with them. So with the new customers, I've got to establish all that trust. So there's, there's a big learning curve there. As we went on, the marketing gets a little bit more um, elaborate, but still Yellow Pages had been the, the king in the service business until 2010, 2011. You know, that's when the internet really started kicking in, you know, and then you've got, uh, depending on how you want to stay in touch with your existing customers as well, marketing just becomes a very uh, important part of your business. Yeah. And, and as you were setting up and did you have a program in place to track your, your ROI? Because I, I find a lot of, um, especially new business owners that are starting to test, you know, how, what's going to resonate with potential new customers. They don't really measure <laughs> what's, it's more of a, a feel than it is, you know, a, a science, and maybe mm-hmm. not a science, but to be able to track and understand where you're getting your return you know, isn't, isn't that difficult? Just curious if you had set something up early to really measure is kind of my first question. And then two, what I really loved you talking about was your, your current customers are the gold and maybe talk part two about what you do, you know, to keep the, the current customers, you know, happy and avid fans of yours. Yeah. Um, what was the first question about, um, sorry. <laughs> yeah. About measuring, right. When you were starting to measure, test different yeah. marketing channels. I, yeah, luckily, you know, with this with this uh, trade organization I'm in, I got to learn a lot early on about marketing and tracking what you do. So whether it was an, uh, uh, we started off years ago, early on with the yellow pages, we'd have a, a number in the upper right hand corner of the ad, and so we would ask everybody who calls in, "How'd you get our number?" Yellow pages. What's the what's the three digit number in the upper left hand or left or right hand corner of the ad, and then that corresponded to the ads and we track it that way in our software. So then the yellow page reps would come in, they would want to renew and start charging you more. And I'd be like, no, I mean, I'm only getting this. <laughs> Here's what I'm getting. So once they saw that you were savvy enough to be tracking, they didn't play games with you. They, you know, they, they, they would respect you and you had a level playing ground to negotiate from and, or make the decision to get out. And that's when I did, when you're spending hundreds of thousands of dollars a year in yellow pages, you got to, it better be working for you. And so when it stopped working for me, I started scaling back as the internet started taking over. And so now it's just evolved where now the internet is, is the yellow pages essentially. And now it's different because you, you have to be really savvy and have either yourself or have people that are managing that for you, whether it's a, a outsourced company or whatever, same thing, track, track that spend so that you're not wasting the money. Yeah. Are you finding you're spending more dollars now on branding? Because I felt like there's a period of time when the internet was really taking off. You could be really aggressive with, you know, paid ads and, you know, come call. But now is, uh, you know, there's review sites and Yelp. And, you know, I think at least I'm seeing there's more of a premium on people understanding who your brand is and the values of the brand. Have you seen a shift in your dollars from more of the maybe call to action to more of the the brand? Uh, it's funny you say that. I'm actually, we're, we're doing that right now. We, I decided that since I've handled the marketing myself, 
I noticed a trend that the last 10 years we've been kind of flat other than the, the rise with, um, with HVAC. I've noticed that our main business has been pretty flat. I think you get complacent a little bit. And once I decided to, to make the change to get, you know, get out of HVAC, focus on, on what we do best, focus on the, the culture and the profitability. Now I've, you know, we worked out a new plan, you know, we're a little more aggressive now. What, what is the future? What's, what's the um, next one, three and five years bring. So with that, what are we going to do with it? What's the plan? And I, I, I lost track of your question. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, it's all right. It's more around the branding and the uh, oh, direct call yeah. to action type of so, spend. So that's why I decided I need to get out of this. I need to hire somebody. To, so I, lo- I started looking at maybe hiring a marketing manager to handle it all and then realized, you know what? I'm, I mean, talking with um, a, a group of friends that are my, my personal board of directors, you know, they advised me, no way, you know, hire a company. You're, you're too, you, you, know, you scale back too small to have somebody. And it was the best advice. Um, I was able to meet up with a, a company that a couple of friends of mine have used successfully. Uh, they specialize in trade companies. Um, they're not okay. even local. And we've, we've worked since February this year. We started working and we've developed a whole new branding concept to, to really rebrand this company. And we, we, we just settled on, um, you know, calling ourselves Precision today because it's what we do. We've rebranded the uniforms, the trucks, the logo, everything. And so now with our focus on the internet and pay-per-click paid advertising, we're still spending a lot in there, but the shift is is starting to happen where now we're really focusing on the brand and that's what this company does best. Yeah, that's, that's fantastic. And again, that's another one of the reasons why I wanted to have you on the show to talk about this because you are in what it would be a traditional business, not necessarily a, a software or, you know, it is a services business, but growing up through traditional roots, I would argue that you're ahead of the curve on, you know, 90% of the things you're doing compared to maybe, I don't know, like a more modern or a company that started in the last three or four years that's, that's taking a different approach. So, you know, kudos to you for, for seeing this, you know, ahead of time and not staying in the complacency. Hey, this is what's worked. We're going to keep, we're going to keep doing it. Mm-hmm. Well, it, it's uh, hard to do, but it's, it's, I'm enjoying it so much more now. And my team is enjoying it because I've been able to empower them. My general manager, you know, he runs the day to day. He's making all the calls. I'm basically working on the vision that I've set out or they're, they're working on that. I'm working above that. Which is the key, right? I think, you know, the, one of the questions I get a lot is, you know, as a founder, you know, how much time should I be spending in my day to day business? And I said, well, it's, it should be, you know, a corollary to the, to the growth, right? So it's, you know, early stages, you're hustling, you're you know, 100% into it. By the time you are where you are now, you know, you should be 100% out of the day-to-day and focused on exactly what you're focused on, right? The, uh, the culture, the strategic vision, you know, what's next for the company. So uh, easier said than done. I understand that, but <laughs> well, with that, to do it. One of the things I did this summer was, um, like I say, I had five of, five of my friends come in. They're all you know, own plumbing, heating, air conditioning, or electrical contractors. And we meet every other week on Zoom, you know, a little video call. And we go over our businesses, you know, percentages, you know, what we do the same because we're all different sizes. I mean, some are 30 million, some are 15. I'm the smallest. And uh, every six months we go some one of our shops and we will dig into whatever we need to look at. And I volunteered. I said, hey, y'all, 
I need help here because I feel a little stuck. You know, I'm rebranding and this, and I, I really need to evaluate a couple things. And they came in, and one of the things that they really opened my eyes to was how much I hate day-to-day operations. It's not, <laughs> it's, it's not what I do, but I've always felt compelled that, hey, I have to do this because I'm a small business. And you do. You do have to do it. But they were able to really see that that's what Mike, my GM, that's, that's his job. He's detail-oriented. Let him run all that. You work on this. So I was able to put together a, a strategy and a plan of empowering Mike and letting everybody know that. And then really being okay for me to step outside of that and now just fast track this rebranding and really be the face of the company, be out there, you know, having fun, making sure that everybody that comes in here is having fun, you know, go see customers, uh, but do something that I really love and then be able to grow the company. So now we're back on a growth track and it's so much more fun. Yeah, no, that's fantastic. And, you know, I know we're starting to run short of time and I want to be respectful of your time. But the one question I did have is I was looking through uh, your updated website, which looks great, by the way, is something I think you call the zero problems plan. Is that an attempt to move or kind of normalize some revenue through a subscription model? Or is that something you're t- just love your, your insight yeah, on, on what you're trying to do with that? Okay. Well, that we, we, we renamed that. We just renamed that with the rebranding because that is what with our, you know, I said our um, current customers are gold. That is 100% to retain those current customers, to give them a value added of, you know, why should they do business with us? And we intentionally made it, you know, really inexpensive. It's cheap. We're not making, you know, it, there's a revenue stream to it, but trust me for what goes into that, it's, it's, it's a, you know, it's not a moneymaker, but it is in the sense that people are getting a, a value to have us be their plumber to come out to their home, you know, once a year to check all the key points that we say we're going to do. And for them, that's the peace of mind knowing that that's basically them saying, hey, you're my contractor. Right. And so, you know, there's, there's a lot of added benefits to them and it's like a thank you, but knowing that these are, these are my customers that I'm going to go above and beyond for. Absolutely. I could have priced it differently, but I just felt, I want to make it, we call it no brainer pricing. I mean, you don't even have to think about saying yes to it because it's so inexpensive. Cause I know with those customers, they are going to use us when there's a problem and we can be proactive to go in and give them peace of mind by saying, Hey, we've done this, this, and this, you're good to go. Or, you know, hey, I found a couple of things to be concerned with. We don't have to take care of now when we come back the next time. Um, and people respond very well to that. And, and our, our technicians, our plumbers really love it as well. Uh, it's a great idea. It keeps you guys, you know, top of mind as, as you go through. Again, it's <laughs> love to have the relationship with you, but don't want to see you very often unless it is you right. know, a maintenance and well, preventative type of a thing. And that's the, and that's the thing. You know what? There's, I could go into anybody's house and find things that are wrong, but the approach here is for me to go into their home and say, Hey, listen, you know, I found a couple areas of concern, but you know what? This one thing needs to be taken care of right now. These other things, Hey, you know about them. I've got them documented here when you're ready, you know, let's take care of them. So there's no pressure. And that's, and people don't want to be given an ultimatum. They want to, they want to trust. You got to build trust with the client. Once you do that, they're yours forever. You just got to, you know, maintain that. Right. You know, it's so good. One of the, the sayings I've been using a lot lately is, you know, treat your customers like prospects and your prospects like customers. Cause a lot of the time, 
we don't add that extra value to the customers because they're already customers. And, you know, just the, the, the approach that you're taking with that is, you know, it's really smart. Um, well, you know, at, go ahead, one man. of my, one of my pet peeves, Brett, is when you buy something and you have a great experience, you know, you have a great salesman. I always, whenever I go somewhere, if I go to a car dealership or whatever, I want to find out who the number one salesperson is. That's what I want to deal with because they're number one for a reason. They're doing things that the other people aren't willing to do. But one of my pet peeves is when I go somewhere, I have a good experience. And then as soon as the transaction's done, it's like that guy's nowhere to be found. Then now I get treated like crap. I don't want that to happen. I want to be aware of that and continually, just like you said, treat the customers like prospects. Yeah, it makes sense. So, and one closing question on, on this section, we'll get into the kind of the closing time process or section for us is, you know, what's, what's next for you and the company? I know you kind of outlined, you know, got the rebranding and the strategy, you know, what's, what's the goal for the next five years? Is it to get to the, the 10 million you mentioned earlier? Or yeah, it's, it's really, it's really simple. I just laid it out to my team that, Hey, here, here's a one, three and five year. And it's as simple as adding three plumbers per year on top of what we have. So if, if we lose a guy, well, now you got to add four. So it's pretty much adding three trucks a year. We tie We could tie that into revenue, what that revenue growth will be, but everything is backed up with or prefaced with, you know, great culture and profitability. So we had three a year, we're adding a separate water uh, treatment department. So we'll have three departments. We'll have our plumbing department, our drain cleaning department, which is, drain cleaning and sewer installations, sewer replacement, and then water treatment, which is focusing on, you know, mostly municipal water around here, getting people uh, clean, healthy drinking water in their homes. They don't have any idea what's in it and what it's doing to the plumbing system or their bodies. So that's a, that's a big focus that will be uh, ramping up here the first quarter of 2020. No, that's awesome. We'll have to have you back on in maybe another 12 months to see, you know, where you've been able to take this. But, you know, for the audience, I mean, this is, you know, what I would call, like, say, a traditional business that's kind of a poster child of how to operate, you know, in scale of business in, you know, current times and modern times, right? It's it's paying attention to the detail, focus on the customer, focus on the employees, make sure that they're inspired and aligned with what you're trying to do. And then, you know, fundamentally operational with, with the business. I know I yeah. simplified everything that you've done, but no, you, you don't. Cause I, I, you know what, if you, if you listen to me, I don't really talk about the customer a lot. I take, I don't take it for granted. I just know that if, if, if we, the structure that we have here, we, we spend so much time and money in training our people. It's kind of, it's not crazy. It's smart, but um, therefore I'm only worried about the culture of my employees because when you have a bad culture, you have a laundry list of all these little things that are problems. When you have great culture, all those little problems go away. They just disappear. They take care of themselves. And my customers, I know, are taken care of. I don't even have to worry about them. So I put a lot of my effort into the employees. No, that's a really, really, really good and really, really smart. And people out there listening, you know, take notice of that. And depending on where you are in your journey, if you haven't been focused on that, you know, it's time to, you know, do some self you know, inspection and, and look at your company and think about, you know, maybe some of your challenges and where you're going. So I, I think that's a, a great point to, to end that portion on Matt. So thank you very much for, for sharing your story. There's so much <laughs> value that we can take out of it. But what I'd like to do is now kind of shift to our, our closing time 
session where, you know, gives the audience to get to know you a little bit on a personal basis. So nothing too hardcore, but, you know, two, two quick questions. First one is, you know, what is one thing that you would highly recommend? I would highly recommend if you are a business owner, having a mentor or having peers that you can freely discuss anything that's bothering you or any, you know, to find your weaknesses because you, you know, your weaknesses, it's actually, it's a strength to know that. I mean, if you, if you know it and you're okay with it to let it go, it's going to empower you. So I, yeah, I I would find trusted people that, you know, you can confide in that will help you, um, help you grow. Uh, I think that's great advice. And the one thing I think you've shown through the interviews you've talked about with the group or, you know, peers being honest with that group, right? You don't pretend everything's all sunshine and rainbows when you actually do have concerns or challenges or something that's, that's on your mind. Yeah. Yeah. Makes sense. All right. And last but not least, you know, they call this the last call. If you could only have one more beverage, kind of think of it as your last meal, what would it be? That's easy. It'd be a, Ice cold Coca-Cola in a bottle from Mexico. With <laughs> the pure cane sugar. Why, why Mexico? Well, not because it's made with the pure cane sugar. All the stuff oh, here, gotcha. fructose, corn, it tastes different. It's better. But it's got to be in a bottle, ice cold. Interesting. I like it. I mean, it was funny. One of the guests I had on maybe a couple months ago now, kind of the godfather of customer service, he was a, a Diet Coke. But yours has some... Or origination to it from the sense of, you know, Mexico, I, I get it. So definitely uh, a first for that. So Matt, again, really appreciate your time. And if there's folks that are more interested in learning about you and the company, what's the, the best way for them to find you? Uh, probably, probably email, you know, matt at precisiontoday.com. Okay. I'll make sure I add that to the show notes as well. And we'll put a link to your website. And so people can see what you're doing with rebranding and all that. And, uh, again, it was, this was a lot of fun. I enjoyed it. I learned a lot. So, uh, again, appreciate you taking some time out of your day. Well, thanks for having me. It was a lot of fun. Was, uh, I appreciate it. All right, Matt. Thanks. You have a good rest of your day. Okay. Bye, Brett. Bye. You've been listening to Hardwired for Growth. To ensure that you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player or visit brettrainer.com. That's B-R-E-T-T, followed by his last name, T-R-A-I-N-O-R.com. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.